The following podcast is a work of fiction. All characters are the creation of Peter Williams. Any resemblance to someone living or dead is purely coincidental. Thank you. Shadows. Shadows of what was. Shadows of what is to come. And shadows that hide from you in plain sight, hoping you don't notice them. Today, those shadows of what is to come begin to move, begin to take form, as we move a year into the future. But before we do, let me remind you that this podcast may contain images of graphic violence, child endangerment, and of course, naughty, salty language. Now, grab that tentacle of yours and cuddle in, for you wouldn't want to face these shadows without some comfort. As we start this Tentacle Tuesday off with Chapter 20, Wild Cards. A year has passed since the close of the Cullen Files, and both Warren and Karen had returned to work. Karen sat at her desk at Blue Bluff Realty, going over some files, pushing back briefly to check on Jack, who was sleeping quietly in his bassinet. Smiling, she brushed aside his hair. It was hard to believe that he was almost a year old. The alarm in the front door went off, and she turned to see who had entered. A tall, pale woman with dark eyes and black hair moved almost quietly, like a walking shadow, as she made her way towards the receptionist's desk. Hello, I'm Claire Thomas. I have an appointment to see the house at 19 Decanter Court. Ah, yes, we've been expecting you, the secretary stated. Come in, I have one of my top agents available. Wonderful. Claire said, and followed the young man. Karen stood up and extended her hand. Hello, Mrs. Thomas. I'm Karen Stevens, and I'll be showing you decanter. Hello, she said, pausing before taking her hand. Karen was shocked at how cold it was. Is that your baby? Claire asked, looking at Jack in a way that made Karen a little uncomfortable. Yes, this is my little Jack, Karen replied. Jack was stirring, as if he too was sensing the strange air that hung around Claire Thomas. My husband Henry and I are hoping to start a family here. He was just hired at the sewage treatment plant, and we hope to move here soon. I see, Karen responded. Then maybe decanter wouldn't be a good idea. It's an old house, and it will need a lot of work. Old just means character. Claire giggled. <laughs> we like the feel of old wood and stone. Plus, I hear the fireplace is immense. Yes, yes it is, Karen added. I see you've done your research on it. Of course. I want my future children to have a place where they can feel loved and nourished. A fireplace like that will only add to the ambiance. Okay, great, Karen said. Let's go see it. She grabbed her coat and opened up a jumper for Jack, who fussed briefly at being moved. Can I ride with you? Mrs. Thomas asked. Karen looked over at Jack. I'm sorry, Mrs. Thomas. It's company policy not to allow clients into our vehicles. God forbid we get into an accident. We would be responsible for you and any injuries. Karen wasn't being 100% honest, but she didn't like the idea of Claire being near Jack. She reminded Karen of a hungry spider. I see, Claire said disappointed. I'll make other arrangements and I'll meet you there in about an hour. Karen looked at her watch. 2 p.m. That would be fine. Decanter wasn't someplace she'd wish to be later in the day. 
It had a creepy, haunted vibe to it. That would be great, Karen answered. Excellent, Mrs. Stevens. I will see you there shortly. Claire again moved in a way that was more a seemingly floating motion than walking. Karen shuddered. There was no way she wanted to be alone with this woman. So she reached out to Warren. Hey, honey, what's up? Warren asked. I have an appointment at 2 p.m. at 19 Decanter Court. Is there any way you could meet me there? Why? Trouble? Immediately concerned that Jonah's warnings had begun to manifest themselves. Not necessarily, Karen responded. The woman I'm showing off the house gives off a very creepy vibe, and I honestly don't want to be alone with her and Jack. Gotcha, he said. Sure, I'll be there. Thank you. I love you, and I'm sorry. Not at all, he replied. And I love you too. Karen pulled up to the stone house at 19 decanter. It had such a heavy feel to it. It seemed out of place, if not out of time. Claire was already present and smiling ear to ear as she waltzed around the outside of the house. This is such a wonderful place, she said in a sing-songy voice. Can we go inside? Yes, Karen said, and started making her way to the massive door and took out an old skeleton-style key. Moving Jack into her left arm, she turned the heavy lock. As she did so, an old Crown Victoria pulled up, and Karen paused, more than relieved. Warren popped out of the car with almost a youthful exuberance. Hey, honey, he called up to her. I heard someone was checking out the old house on Decanter, so I figured I'd swing by. You must be Mrs. Thomas, he extended out his hand. Hesitantly, she took it. Yes, and you are? She inquired with an uncomfortable look, as if Warren's hand held an electronic buzzer. I'm Warren. Warren Stevens, he replied. Here, honey, let me open that up for you. He pushed the large doors open to a dimly lit circular foyer. It was huge. An iron chandelier hung from above. The stone walls were barren, but the floor. The floor had an etching of the solar system cut into it, with some strange runic writings underneath it. And beyond that were three stone archways. The middle one, being larger than the others, let into what would be perceived as the living room. There, a huge fireplace stood. It was large enough for a person to stand in it. Marvelous, Claire said, twirling and dancing as if the light of heaven was shining down upon her. How has such a splendid place gone unloved for so long? Well, Karen said, by law I do need to inform you that the architect was a man named Devon Winters. He lost his mind and murdered his family and committed some other atrocities. So... Some people are very leery that the place is cursed. Oh, what foolishness, Claire declared. I will send a message to my husband, and you should have a large deposit by tomorrow. Really? Karen stated. Warren shrugged and smiled. Looks like you made a sale, honey. Well, I'll head back to the office and start writing up a contract. Please, Mrs. Stevens, do so, Mrs. Thomas said. We will be by tomorrow and get this all settled as quick as possible. Claire exited, and Karen turned to Warren, who took Jack for a moment. Hey there, big man. Jack gave him a big smile, and Warren shifted him a little. He was starting to get heavy to hold. Then, he watched as Jack's eyes darted around, as if looking to see if Claire had left. Upon seeing his mom, he squealed and started kicking. Karen leaned back against the wall. That was exhausting. Hmm, she did give off a strange vibe. Jack didn't seem to like her either. Warren added. 
No, he definitely didn't, Karen agreed. They moved out of the living room and into the foyer. Devin had such a strange sense of style, didn't he? I wonder if he designed this place with ill intent, Karen pondered. Knowing that sick, he was about to say fuck and caught himself. Man, probably. I wonder why he etched the solar system into the floor of the foyer. I don't know, and I don't care. Let's get out of this place, Karen answered. They stepped back out and into the sunshine and pulled the doors closed and relocked it. Whatever the reasons behind it, I wouldn't live here if I was a ghost, Karen answered. He helped her get back to the car and placed Jack into his car seat and strapped him in. What time will you be home? Karen asked. I have some paperwork at the office waiting for me, and Chief Reynolds wanted to talk to me. In trouble again? She chided. Warren laughed. I could only be so lucky. Warren? Yeah, what's wrong? Nothing, she replied, a little embarrassed. Seeing that woman, it brought back some awful memories. Oh, Warren then asked, like? She reminded me of that night I was attacked, she said. She reminded me a little of that girl that... And then, as if realizing something, Did I ever thank you for getting me back into the house that night and onto the bed? I thought for sure that Jack and I were going to freeze to death in the snow. Warren stared at her for a moment. Karen, you were already on the bed when I found you. I didn't bring you in the house. But, she looked at him with almost a sense of desperation, I could swear. I thought you managed to crawl your way in, Warren added. I didn't see any other footprints but your own. Karen then wondered. Maybe she dreamt it. Warren's face had been far older. There's no way it could have been him. It's just strange, she replied. I called out to you and there you were, picking me up and carrying me in. Another little mystery for him and Karen to never quite understand. Warren wondered what truly happened that night. She gave him a kiss and he watched Karen drive off. Then, walking back to his own car, he looked back at the house. If Devin had planned something beyond the evil he had already committed. Warren turned the car around and headed back to the Montgomery Police Headquarters. He climbed the steps and thought about his old partner and how he loved the view of Montgomery from here. Then pressing his way past the main doors, he was greeted by Riggs, who immediately busted his balls. Playing hooky with the missus again, huh, Stevens? You're just jealous, Riggs, Warren replied. Is the chief in? Yeah, he said to send you on through. Great, thanks, Riggs. Chief Reynolds sat quietly in his office, reviewing some files when he heard a rap at his office door. Enter, he called out, standing up and smiling upon seeing Warren. Good to see you, Warren, the chief said. Yeah, sorry I've been such a stranger, Warren replied. He was still cleaning up the mess the Cullen case had left him. Well, between helping Karen, Jack, and getting things straightened out, I understand, the chief answered for him. I understand that you've been helping Susan Moran, too, he added. Yes, everything's all packed up. The movers are coming in about a week. It'll be sad to see her go. Karen and I will really miss her. She's been a big help with Jack, Warren stated. She just can't stand being here anymore. Everything about Montgomery screams Jason Moran. Yes, it's hard when you lose someone who's your whole world like that. And speaking of Moran... No, Warren said. No what? The chief asked, raising an eyebrow. No, I don't need a new partner, Warren said. I beg to disagree, the chief insisted, and I have two very promising recruits. 
One, a Mr. Tim Rogers, who's practically begging to work with you. Oh, Warren said. Yes, and he has quite a good record. Isn't he working on a case right now? Stevens inquired. Yes. Some children have gone missing at the park, the chief said, a note of concern in his voice. Hopefully it's not due to that old issue, the detective stated. He was still leery of the grounds where the winter residents had sat. Hopefully not, the chief agreed. Warren looked through the file. Tim's record was definitely spotless. Maybe he should reconsider. And who is the other, Warren said out of curiosity. A young officer who's risen to the ranks. He handed the file to Warren. Richard Donaldson? Yes, and I think you'll find he has an unusual quality that even you may not be able to pass up. Oh, Warren said again. Look at his training records, specifically the numbers at the shooting range, Chief Reynolds stated. They were perfect. That's, Warren trailed off. Impossible? The chief acknowledged. He seems to have a strange gift, Warren. Something you know a little about. Yeah, he replied, a little chagrined. I guess I owe it to myself to check these two out. Yes, the chief said with a smile. Warren reviewed the records of both men again, and while Tim's records seemed to be impeccable, Rich Donaldson's unusual accuracy seemed to scream out at him. Fine, he said to himself, and then looking up, I'll head to the range and check this out for myself. Warren exited the office, and the chief turned to the man hiding in the shadows. Do you think he'll take the hint? Jonah asked the chief. Yes, I believe he'll choose Mr. Donaldson over Tim. Good. Have you ever found out anything more about that Cassandra creature and her plans for Montgomery? The chief inquired. No, but keep your eye out, chief. That temple of Ione gives off a bad omen, Jonah concluded. I agree, the chief added, which reminds me, you said you went back to the cottage to see if you could figure out who or what was working behind the scenes. Yes, Jonah replied. Well, the chief asked, dying to have the mystery explained. Jonah broke into a smile of, I can't tell you that, one the chief knew all too well. Just an old friend, chief, an old friend we can really trust. A detective. Alone, lost, with missing memories. Why? We never did find that out, did we? Well, to know that, you do need to know a little bit about the next story. Detective Warren Stevens in the Cult of Igyatsu. Now, if you have heard that story, you'll understand where we're going to. And what is about to transpire. If not, it won't ruin anything for you and it may, perhaps, hook you into listening to it, as much, much more will be explained as we head into Chapter 21, The Man in Between, also known as Epilogue Part 1. A two-part epilogue, Williams! What the hell is wrong with you? Can't you make these things shorter?!